0: Welcome! Welcome, St. Louis City fans, to a special throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me for this one is our producer, Mason, as well as Sean Campbell. And we have something special for you today. We have a nice little interview, and without further ado, let's go ahead and get to that. Well, we are quite pleased to bring a special guest to the show. You may know him from his work with Total Soccer Show podcast. Also an editor of Backheel.com, and of course, he shares his wisdom on Twitter. It's Joe Lowry. Welcome, Joe. It's a real pleasure to speak with you today. Uh, how are you hey. doing? You keeping busy? I'm keeping busy. I really appreciate you all
1: having me on. I am, I'm i Jones, and I don't know about you guys. I'm Jones in for some MLS action, and I know we're still... A little bit ways away, but anytime, any excuse I have to talk Major League Soccer, I'm there. So yeah, thank you all so much for having me.
0: No, we love to have you. And oh yeah, we jonesen <laughs> our team's about ready to start, and of course, and the fans
2: a, are about ready to bust.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and of course, <laughs> as an expansion team in MLS, it's it's like spring training in baseball. You know, optimism's running high, uh, but as an expansion team. You just don't know what you're going to get. And uh, one reason we wanted to bring you on is on Wednesday's episode of the Talker Sh- uh, Soccer Show podcast, uh, you had the task of previewing the roster for our St. Louis City SC. And you did not seem to be terribly optimistic of City's chances for a uh, big success this season. And we were hoping you'd be so kind as to give our listeners that may have missed that episode a little synopsis of your thoughts on the roster build so far
1: yeah absolutely no i'm happy to do so and we'll do more mls previews and and more detail the ones certainly on st louis as we get closer to the season starting over on tss and and Backfield as well that conversation this week was was just sort of a macro look but i'm excited to to dig a little bit deeper with you all and and chat about the roster and the playing style for bradley carnell and all that good stuff
0: very good uh I know that you, uh, we all do tend to agree with what you had said on the show, that city is a little lacking. And uh, I guess what we would say is a difference maker talent. Um, our DPs aren't, uh, awe inspiring, but really they attain that level simply because they had modest transfer fees involved with their acquisition. Uh, the rest of the internationals arrived on freeze, you know, like Roman Berkey, who's a max tan player. And, uh, One big thing is they were signed during the summer transfer window and they've had a good many months to train together with the MLS Next Pro team last season at the end, get settled in St. Louis and even have experienced some of the rigors of travel and climate changes amongst uh, MLS cities. Um, Despite the level of talent, do you think that these things will actually enable the players to perform in MLS above the expectations? expectations that we have just from looking at their CVs and watching some video clips, I think
1: there could be an element of that. yeah, I think I think there's certainly value in getting in early, right? And getting accustomed to your environment and experiencing some things you'll experience, getting to be there as the training facility. And as all these other elements, the stadium are being built out, I think there's a lot of value in that for 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 the dPS and really for other players that that San Louis have already been able to bring in. I think there is value there. I'm not sure how much, right? And that is where either my lack of experience as a pro athlete comes into play here, or, or maybe this is just more of a, a situation by situation kind of thing. Uh, I don't know that that takes you from being a good MLS player to a great one or a great one to a superstar, but I do think there is, is value in that and St. Louis deserves credit for getting some of those players in early to take part in, in some MLS Next pro games or whatever that looks like. Yeah, I think there's something to that.
2: Uh, while we're on the topic of video clips, though, I I do want to ask, uh, one of the guys that we've, we as a show at least, very much so, have kind of really gotten our, gotten our eye fixed on is ne- Nebulo Blum. Hmm. Uh, he's going to be playing as our number six, that deep-lying destroyer with a lot of skills and passing ability. Uh, have you ever, ha- happened to had a chance to look at him or some of his videotapes, and if so, what do you think about him?
1: Yeah, I've seen some footage, not as much as I, I will have by the time the season starts, but Playing in South Africa, I believe that's the only place he's ever played in in the league there. So there is some caveat here when you watch players in uh, in different parts of the world, depending on the quality of the league, you have to have to think about that and think about how that skill level will translate to MLS. But from what I saw, at least profile wise, um, is is right footed, has some quality with his left foot though. Rangy, I saw some clips where he he likes to crash the box, likes to move around, is mobile, and that general profile for a central midfielder seems to fit what Lutz van Steele and what Bradley Carnell have been talking about in terms of the style of this team, right? Lutz is talking about how, you know, we don't need stars. We need we need this team to be functioning together. So believing in the power of the team and Bradley Carnell is a Red Bull guy, has some experience with Ralph Rangnick. And, and so there's all these little connections to the high-pressing, aggressive style. And it does seem like Blum can do that. I don't know at what level we're going to see. Like, like he could come into Major League Soccer and be a genius and be the best player I've ever seen. I don't know how likely that is. I think he could be a good player. Or, again, the caveat that I added earlier about you, you know not knowing how strong the South African League is and not knowing how those players are going to translate, it could be a rough start to life for him. But at least that's that's some idea of my thoughts on a profile for for what kind of player he is, regardless of skill level.
0: Yeah, uh, Lutz, Fine & Steel, very early on in the process, well before uh, started signing players, had talked about how Telling us fans in the city that uh, really expect young, hungry players that know how to play this style of system and this philosophy, the energy drink soccer, if you will, the Ralph Ragnick school. And we've seen that Jao Klaus uh, is someone that he personally had brought in to Hoffenheim out of Brazil. So him being the striker, big boy. Did well in MLS Next Pro, but you expect somebody like a DP in MLS to do well there, uh, but knows the system. Edward Leuven, also brought in as a DP, knows that kind of system. Uh, It really comes down to, he brought in a lot of people that are on the fringes of, say, the Bundesliga, which is good. There's been some success with that uh, coming to MLS. They're unproven. Uh, we've got a couple that have never played a league of this level in MLS. Uh, is it fitting the players to the system enough to make up for proven talent? Or is the difference maker on a club so important to MLS that it's going to hold us back? I got a feeling I know where you are on that one.
1: It's, it's a phenomenal question. And honestly, Mike, I'm not totally sure where I am. On that one, so I think there is a lot to be said for having really good players. Like really good players can overcome a lot of evils. You can go from you you can have a manager that maybe doesn't have the sharpest tactical ideas, but if you have really good players or even you know one or two really good players in Major League Soccer, that can go a long way. Having a star number ten can carry you to the playoffs can carry you to maybe even an MLS cup over the right set of games. So that can go a long way. That said, there is precedent in Major League Soccer for a team that doesn't spend a ton, goes out there, makes smart signings, overperforms on the field, or has enough quality mixed with their tactical identity, mixed with the philosophy as a club, that they thrive. One example is the Red Bulls, the New York Red Bulls. Who I mean, I think that comparison is going to be made a whole bunch between St. Louis and and the Red Bulls, one in the East, one in the West. Already, yeah. Has. I mean, it's it's going to oh, yeah. happen all throughout the year. So we all better get used to it, and, and we're all probably going to be doing some of that stuff too. So. I think there is an element of it a lot. Yeah I mean there's an element of that, right? Where the Red Bulls don't spend a lot of money on, on transfers. they spend on their academy or half historically. Um, but I mean, the roster is unremarkable, right? And yet they are in the playoffs year after year after year. You can think about the Philadelphia Union, maybe being the single best example right now. They very clearly have a philosophy that governs the decisions they make as a club they don't have the most talented players right you you look at this the the roster they're not spending 15 million dollars on a transfer fee like Atlanta United or like the LA Galaxy that stuff doesn't happen and yet the union are you know in supporter shield contention seemingly year after year are making mls cup are doing all of these things and having success so where that puts st louis right because that's what we that's what we're talking about right where does that put st louis the answer is i don't know and i'm not sure we can know right now because the baseline level for teams like the Red Bulls and the Union, higher for the Union than it is for the Red Bulls, but the baseline level is high enough, mixed with the identity and the philosophy that they've proven they have as a club and they've proven can be effective. St. Louis, there's thoughts about what the identity is. There's thoughts you know, from those of us on the outside about what the expectation is in terms of the style, but we haven't seen it yet. We don't know if it's going to be executed well. We don't know how they're going to be able to implement it throughout the club. So to go back, is it players or is it style? You know, I think the safer bet in some ways is players because, you know, you, you nail a couple of those. It's going to cost money. Yeah. But you're at least going to be decent. If you don't have the players that are going to win you games, the style has to be there. And we don't know if the style is there or not for St. Louis right now. So that's, that's kind of my main question about the club. Can the style be enough? Can they work together as a unit to do things that only a very select group of, of teams in
2: major league soccer have been able to do. And I just don't think we can know that yet. I do think we have a bit of a a little bit better insight than than some uh, expansion teams have had because um, going back to we we had talked about bringing the the internationals in a little earlier so they can acclimate to the city. Yep. Um, but when you look at it a little deeper, you realize that um, Lutz has brought in a lot of these players specifically because not just because you know they have potentially have upside, but a lot of them have worked in a very similar style mm. to what we're trying to implement. Um, they, or they've worked with the, co- some of the coaches in, at other teams before, uh, like with Louvin, he specific, he specifically worked with Lutz before. Um, but the fact that we know these guys can work in these, in the system we're trying to implement, um, I feel like that gives us some sort of a better feeling than a lot of these other expansion teams in recent years have yeah. had because they, you know, they have an idea, but then they just go out and get players and set, and, and you know, try to get really good players but at the same time like you said you kind of have to have a little bit of both sure um but i feel like we have we had a much stronger identity of what we were looking for in a player as opposed to just getting a really good player um and correct me if i'm wrong i I think that should give us at least a little bit more of a better feeling about you know going into the season that things are going to be a little bit better than expected
1: yeah i think there's something to that absolutely i think there is there's this familiarity, right, that a lot of players have with with the general style that we expect from St. Louis this year. I'll caveat that with two examples. One is Miguel and Hill Ramirez coming in with Charlotte last year, signed several different players that had worked with him in South America, um, and, and brought them in and neither he really or those players lasted all that long. Now Charlotte still, you know, had a had a fine season. They don't make the playoffs, but it was not as rough as as maybe I thought it would be for them last year. But it was difficult, right? And just because Ramirez knew the players, something was still off with them, right? And and I think about San Jose as the other one. But T.S. Almeida bringing in you know player after player after player that he'd worked with before. And now you see him over in, in Greece with Athens trying to bring in other players from San Jose to keep that cycle going. And, and the Quicks were never really all that dangerous outside of a couple of stretches under him. Now, That all sounds like sort of doom and gloom for St. Louis. And and this is the key point here, or at least this could be the differentiator for them compared to those other two teams. Both Almeida and Ramirez wanted to do really intricate stuff with the ball. They wanted to do the Pep Guardiola positional play kind of thing where it looks really pretty. And that stuff's fun to watch, but it is really hard to pull off. I'm not under the impression. I don't think any of you are under the impression that St. Louis are going to be out here playing Man City, free-flowing kind of Barcelona heyday soccer.
3: I think it's going to look like heavy yeah. metal soccer. This is going to be crash the box run exactly. gun. Yeah, it's it, all it really is is high motor. It's not nothing if it's going to be pretty, but I I'm hoping if the players can pull it off it's going to be effective.
1: Exactly. And I think about Nashville as being a really good example for a team that has sort of done that. They don't, they don't press in the way that I, at least I'm expecting St. Louis to press, but a, a team that doesn't reinvent the wheel here that's not doing anything all that complicated but can be effective, right? Both the Red Bulls and the Union have had success playing that style. Or playing a style sort of similar to what we're talking about and imagining with St. Louis. And, and maybe that's a case where if you go out there and find players you know can execute that style, you know they're gonna try really, really hard, as as basic as that sounds, they're gonna run and they're gonna be able to, you know, know their pressing angles to be able to press as a group, all that stuff. Maybe this is a case, Sean, where you know, you can have a, a really solid team with players that that folks within the organization already know and maybe aren't you know, like globally known in that way.
0: One thing, uh, to go back to Nashville, one thing we have is probably the strongest part of the team is in the back. You got Roman Berkey, you know, champions league goalkeeper signed. you know, maybe for too much for an MLS squad. Maybe not up front with Tim Parker, who played with red, red bulls, New York and, uh, Joachim Nielsen, a Swedish international player. So we're pretty well set there. And then another one of our MLS veterans is Jake Nurensky coming in um, to take up uh, one of the fullback positions. So that backs up kind of if you can keep goals out, maybe you can find a way to score, especially in this chaotic style that they're going to be playing. Uh, But what I'm really looking at is somebody like Austin that came in. Josh Wolf had a defined plan as to how it was going perhaps not the players fit in the first season they had some success then they had a really hard time had a little bit better and they really kicked on the second year and I think with the philosophy that's what we can look forward to is maybe the first year will be a little bit of a struggle but with the philosophy you can start fitting parts in other things you're going to have a free DP it really looks like to add in uh, the summer window if need be, or yeah. in the offseason. Uh that's kind of my vision of where we're going to be with this club in the expansion year, unless they really kick on, since they all know this system and the system is the star.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's a realistic expectation for this team, not to really blow the doors off in year one, but I mean the hope being to be respectable, right? And into put in some good performances to have some big wins to maybe have some, some tough losses. That's, that's life in major league soccer, but to, to put in a, a solid first season, I, I'm not sure if I'm all the way there yet on this team and their ability to do that. I, my expectations are maybe a little bit lower, but Mike, I think where we, where we do agree is year two sort of being the, the time where they're ramping up, right? You've had a chance to snag a DP in the summer. I'm, I'm hopeful that this team will do that to add uh, a little bit of room onto their ceiling. You've had time for players to gel. You've had time to make tweaks to the roster and to change and to, to send players off and to bring new players in based off of how you evaluated year one. Yeah, I think that's I think that year two idea is probably here with St. Louis, unless we see something really transformative with their roster between now and, I don't know, say the end of the summer transfer window when they can bring in another DP.
0: Yeah, and Lutz Fine and Steele did mention that early on before all this started, that he's thinking medium term rather than short-term. So he's kind of set us up for that uh, to the beginning. Uh, One thing about that long-term plan, and you highlighted this uh, uh, on the uh, Total Soccer Show episode, is uh, St. Louis City SC hasn't even played a game yet, but they already have a homegrown signing in 15-year-old Caden Glover uh, as a homegrown player. And it's been full on the intention since day one of this club to mine the hotbed of talent in the St. Louis area. Uh, You know, Developing talent can take time and can take away from the first team's success in the league. But as we've seen with the Union, you stick with it, the Red Bulls as well, it pays off. Uh, How long should fans, though, actually be patient with such a process until you start to see that translate into success for the first team?
1: I mean, it could take years, right? I, I don't think in Major League Soccer, at least we haven't seen a ton of evidence for it yet that you can establish a dominant club based off of solely youth development, right? What the union do so well is they develop really good players, but then they also are making smart signings. They also are spending on the first team just maybe at a slightly lower level than you know a, a decent chunk of the rest of Major League Soccer. For St. Louis, I mean, this is, this is a long process. This is the long game, right? The youth development idea of generating Uh, Transfer fees from those players when you sell them on or or getting some real value out of them with the first team, it's going to take a while, right? Glover's 15. I've never seen him touch a soccer ball before. I, I don't, I don't think many on the national level have. But you know, there is something to be said for starting to sign these players that are that are talented enough. St. Louis, from everything I know about it, is and has been a real soccer city, right? Is a place where there is talent. There's talent to be found and you know there hasn't been an mls market there before which like it or not does cap sort of the ceiling at least in terms of the the revenue and the value you can create from a player in any specific area so i'm i'm really optimistic like if there's one thing that i'm really jazzed about that i'm really excited about and optimistic for the St. Louis City SC team it's it's what they've already built in terms of the infrastructure the stadium looks fantastic and I would, I would love to make it out for a game sooner rather than later that's one piece of this you know it seems like the fan culture there is already you know, ahead of where it is in a lot of other places around the United States and in Major League Soccer as well. And then it's the youth development side. You know, it's it's always been this question of what if there was a team? What if there was a team at the top level in the United States that could really help elevate some of these players? And Glover being the first example, I don't know, you know, what his career is going to look like. He's a child right now. There's so much that can change, but, you know, there should be a dozen more Caden Glovers over the next five years and five years from now,
2: some of those guys could be contributing to the first team. I do want to say uh, that, you know, we did also have just recently in the January camp, we had a couple of guys get called up to the U-17 and U-16 national team camps as well. Um, I believe it was Jackson, Delkis, Tyson... Pierce. uh, It was
3: Tyson, Pierce, and Fritz Volmar.
2: Yes, those three. Um, They all got called. They got called to the 16 and 17 camps. Um, So, I mean, I I just think that there's already proof of concept that, you know, even if they haven't had a, a long time to actually be in the City Academy... Um, A lot of these guys that are in the in the academy now came from the Scott Gallery Academy that has produced already a proof of concept. Very, very well sought after prospects and guys that actually went on to play either at the MLS level and maybe skidded around in the lower leagues of Europe before. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, we already have that proof of there are good players. It's just a matter of now we have the academy actually bring them in. And I think we may have a little bit of a shortened curve on that.
1: Yeah, that's the hope, right? That some of the infrastructure that's already there, some of the appetite for soccer that's already there in the youth ranks and, and beyond that into families and just the culture that that can help speed this process along. No, I mean, like I said, I think that is a huge area that St. Louis could find value and and find success over you know the next five years and, and really beyond that.
0: Yeah. And speaking of infrastructure, uh, we've been to the stadium for the Byron Leverkusen uh, MLS Next Pro friendly that they had during the... Uh, November during the World Cup break. Uh, and I have to say it's a jewel. It's very, very steep. Uh, we had a full crowd and a very loud crowd, even for that friendly. Uh, a lot of excitement uh, with it. And also, since uh, it's all ownership paid for with the whole thing, they developed it so that the offices of the team, the training facilities, the academy Everything is all in one central footprint around one, like a university campus. Uh, are you aware of anybody in MLS that has anything quite like that? Uh, it's been compared to world-class uh, teams in being able to have everything in one, the walking distance from each other. Sure.
1: Yeah, I'm not the best person to speak with as far as you know some of the infrastructure around the league. I know there are some other beautiful stadiums and, and facilities sporting Kansas City's. Stadium and, and and facilities in particular have been touted as as world class as well. I mean, there's all sorts of different really high quality environments around Major League Soccer. And when you couple stadiums with offices and and with you know training facilities, that's that's where I don't know. But everything that I've seen and read and and heard about what's being built in St. Louis, what has been built, has been incredibly positive. Like that's something I think that the fans should be proud of, having already one of the hands down one of the best atmospheres and setups in major league soccer i mean that does a lot to attract players right it does a lot to attract high quality people to a team i think we take for granted sometimes you know mls has its faults believe me there's a lot of frustrations that that people all over the the world and all over this country and that i have with major league soccer but ways that it holds itself back but there's something to be said for the financial stability of this league right that Players know their paychecks are coming, but they're coming on time. That's not something that happens everywhere in the world. That's not something that happens in places where you no know, MLS teams go and look for talent. And so if you can go and say to a player, hey, here's three pictures of what our facilities are like. Also, this is how much we can pay you right now. That, that can elevate a club that can help transform a club slowly over a number of years. So again, another really value proposition that St. Louis City is, is going to provide to that area and to Major League Soccer.
0: Yeah, it's something I've been talking about for a long time, even from places like Argentina and maybe even a lower level in Brazil. They don't know they're getting a paycheck, and MLS becomes an attractive place to come. I want to thank you for taking uh, so much time to give to us, and I wanted to take a moment here to also ask if you had any specific questions for us uh, about St. Louis City SC, since we've been covering it for a year and a half or more now.
1: Sure. Yeah. One thing that I think is fun is is looking sort of beyond the first few names in the squad, right? We talked about Klaus. We talked about Lovin a little bit. You talked about some of the backline members. Mike, are there any players or maybe just one player for each of you that you're particularly excited about or intrigued by this year that maybe isn't being discussed as much? What do you guys think?
0: Uh, Thomas Ostrak. Coming okay. over with Kern, didn't get a lot of playing time. Manuel of Transfer Market said that there was a lot of teams in ML- and Bundesliga told him they couldn't believe he went to MLS. They wanted him. Um, he's one. We've seen him play in MLS Next uh, Pro. I think he's one to watch, uh, would be particularly the facilitator. Uh, he's one that we're really uh, big on, at least for myself. And, uh, it looks like sources here are saying that, uh, a deal in principle is done for Indiana Vasilev to get his rights from Aston Villa after they mm-hmm. drafted him on when he was on loan with Inter Miami. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know if he's necessarily a starter, but I did see him be at times a impactful player late in games for Inter Miami. Those are two that really stand out to me. Sean, you have any? Um,
2: I mean, when it when it comes to when we when it comes to the players, we ha- I haven't seen a whole lot of the international guys actually on the field because I haven't been able to actually make it out to a lot of the city Two games. Um, but I I really wish we were, t- you know, we got more talk about Selmi or Pedro. Uh, I, I just every time I've seen him on the field, he's he's performed fairly well. Uh, and I think he's got another level to his game that could really get unlocked once he actually starts playing against higher level talent. Um, I mean, we, we all kind of really talked about him at the beginning because he was the first signing for the team, and that was huge um, just because he was number one. But at the same time, you know, it kind of fell off after that because we started getting bigger names and, and players that were more proven talents. But um, again, I, I think he really has a another level to bring to his game, and I, I can't wait to see him actually perform at the top level, and I don't think a lot of other people are actually bringing his name into conversations.
0: And mm-hmm. one thing Joe might not know, uh, Pedro is Bosnian. And there is a huge Bosnian uh, population within uh, St. Huh. Louis, so Interesting. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's cool. So coming from that area, uh, there is some ties to the city, uh, and those are the the top one. Austrax the one to me that, to really watch. I think he's a little under the radar, but I think there's something there. We'll see how he kicks on. He's never been. Really proven at this level, but uh, how many have? Because MLS's level has ry- risen so much in the last even three years, two years, maybe even since last summer signing window. The level of talent in this league has keeps going up and up. Yeah. Uh, anybody else have any other questions for Joe?
2: Well, I have one question for Mason. Mason, do you have a player that
3: you want to talk about? <laughs> um. I'm interested in John Bell and Nico Giacchini that we picked up in the expansion draft to see how they fit into the system. I've got my eyes on both of them. But really what I'm interested in is to see if Kyle Hebert has another level of his game because he was lights out with City Two, worked his way into a into a first team contract. I've really got my eye on Hebert. I loved him on City Two. Huh. Like
2: Isn't he also a hometown boy from SLU? From the U. Uh
0: I thought
3: Hebert was from Canada. I th- well no not
0: and from went, Louis, to I thought he went to southwest missouri SLU. state
2: oh southwest missouri state yeah, sorry okay. you did go to college in the state though that's what i was picking up on
0: uh hebert uh has got a long road ahead of him with tim parker and uh nielsen at center back but uh yeah he's one to watch another one uh might be he performed quite well in mls next pro is Celio pompeo a brazilian i think he's got some game that might translate this level but how much playing time he'll get the first year. I'm not sure. But uh, again, wanted to thank you, Joe, for coming on and giving us this talk about the team. Uh, We could talk all day, but uh, I know you're a busy man. But uh, why don't you take a moment and let the St. Louis City fans know how to follow your efforts and work in the world of soccer?
1: Yeah, we mentioned the Total Soccer Show earlier. That's a great spot to, to listen to some of the things I've got to say. Um, if you're looking for more major league soccer coverage than we can provide on TSS, I would encourage you all to check out backheel.com. Uh, we, we launched that in May of 2022, independent American soccer coverage that I'm, I'm really proud of. I write some there and I'm the editor there. Um, I poured a lot into that project. And just this week as we're recording on a Friday, we launched subscriptions. So if people want to support the work that we do, they want to read you know, a lot of the stuff that we've got there, I would encourage people to subscribe and get a free trial. It's fun. It's good stuff. Again, I'm really, really proud of it. We have a lot of exciting things planned for this year. We'll have coverage of St. Louis on there in addition to the rest of Major League Soccer. If you want to learn more about these other teams that, that this new franchise is going to be playing, I would definitely direct you towards backheeled.com.
0: Very good. And I enjoy reading Backheel myself. I have been since it uh, the project started and hope everything's going well. Uh, once again. Thank you, Joe Lowry, for coming on to our little Soccer Capital podcast. Hope to talk to you soon and keep up the good work. Take yeah, care. Yeah,
1: thank you all. Thanks for having me, and I'd love to be back on at some point throughout the season. I really appreciate it, and you guys keep it up because podcasts like this are fantastic, and they help make the sport better. So seriously, thank you all for having me, and and I appreciate
0: it. Thank you. Wow. It was really great, Joe, to come on and uh, talk to us. Uh, give us a little rundown of uh, his thoughts and feelings about uh, St. Louis City SC as we get into our inaugural season as an expansion club. Uh, it might seem like he's a little harsh, but I think uh, his analysis was fair. And uh, and it, it really good to have that insight into a club from the outside. And uh, anything stand out amongst you guys about what Joe had said during the interview?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good to have that, that third party voice kind of come in and actually, you know, gi- give a, a different, a different look at it from outside of our little echo chamber that we have here on the show and in, in the surrounding metro area and outlying areas. Um, but also, uh, it, it's surprising. I, I never really quite noticed just how good of a, a finger on the pulse we have the zeitgeist that is St. Louis city, um, uh, you know how how the team is forming because hearing a lot of what he said and realizing that you know we have a lot of, a lot of similar thoughts on how things are going is is reassuring and at the same time also, um, thought provoking to say the least.
0: Yeah, one of the reasons why I did want to invite him on after uh, he did that bit on uh St. Louis City SC is it looked like they kind of just slapped that together and didn't have a lot of insight and uh it's a very big role that uh, all of us uh, local podcasters can do is to give our insights and share them with the people that spread it out nationally, and it's a valuable commodity. And then we wanted to talk to him, and uh, it was very good, a very great conversation uh, with him. I gotta be honest, I don't
3: think that I got anything up here worthy worthy of contribution, but It was great to talk to Joe. He was a very nice guy and easy to work with. That was my big takeaway because I'm I'm still high strung on this technical issues situation we've been dealing with. Um, But no, and I also, I thought like he was much more even-handed with the concerns that he had rather than trying to, you know, I think uh, what he kind of said on TSS was maybe a little punched up for effect. He was much more even-handed. It's like, you know, and they're also, yeah, they're not unfounded. They're very, very real concerns that even I have. Um, so, no, I thought it was great. I really enjoy the fact that he's
2: willing to come back on and we can do a mid-season update with him and, you know, it's just more content for us. That's That keeps us in our non-paying <laughs> jobs.
0: <laughs> keeps <laughs> us busy. At least. It's all about the content. That is true. Uh, you know, I, I found it Nice that he asked us about some of the players we had our eye on, because in a lot of these conversations, I haven't heard anybody on a national or outsider basis talking about Thomas Ostrat, and uh, I really think he's going to be, has a possibility of being a very key player for this team and really shining in MLS, so it was nice to be able to talk to him about a player like that that seems to be quite under the radar outside of manuel vaith of transfer market who uh thinks he's going to be a difference maker for the club
3: yeah and you know all of us locals here who have seen him and it's like that that guy is something else oh yeah he's he's really something special
0: that one goal in edwardsville when he cut in on his uh left foot and took that goal and put that strike in that was uh that was awe-inspiring quite honestly uh Yeah, I do agree with uh, what Joe said on Total Soccer Show. Uh, A lot of these guys really haven't proven anything. Uh, Jao Klaus was signed with Hoffmanheim, but uh, really was on loan to Austria and Finland, not uh, leagues as big as MLS, let's say. Uh, You've got uh, Samuel Pedro coming in. Uh, from a lesser league, even Yajalo Bloom coming in from the South African league, that we really have no measure of how good that league is. So they're versed in the system, but uh, if how they're prepared to go against the talent that we're seeing, that keep, constantly keeps rising in MLS, there's only one way to find out. And we'll start finding out in as little as six weeks from now. Can you believe that the season's starting that soon?
2: No, because I want it to start sooner. I want it to start tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, well, tomorrow. I from when don't. Do you know how cold
0: it is tomorrow? <laughs>
2: yeah. Hey, games are games, yeah. man. I, I want I just want to watch games. All right. I'm excited for the season to start. And like I said, the fans are ready to bust. I'm sure everyone listening to this show is just as ready for that first official MLS match in that new stadium. That is so beautiful and so not windy. It's amazing. Um, I, I can't wait for that first game, and I, I, again, I want it tomorrow. <laughs>
0: heaven's, bl- heavens bless the architect who decided to sink it 40 feet below ground, so you don't get that cutting wind in the winter. On the other hand, in the summer, you don't get that cool breeze <laughs> coming in either, so we'll see how that plays. Nah. Maybe we
2: can go out and get some of those fancy fans and AC that they had at Qatar for the World Cup.
0: I wouldn't count on that. <laughs> but you can dream, Sean. You can I, dream. I can dream
2: I all don't know. I want. I can also dream that they'll hand out free water because if the if the players are getting an extra water break, I think the fans shouldn't have to pay for water because you're admitting it's too hot to be out here, and yet here we are. Give us water. <clears throat> That's so never going to happen. The
0: trainers go around the... Trainers go around the stadium with the little uh, carts, and everybody here drinks out of the same bottle. No, 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 no. What they yeah, do is they do like, like they a do great a baseball idea.
2: games, free water. Yeah, get you free water, and they start throwing it across the sections. You know, metal ah, cans. You just coming to people's heads. So
3: refreshing, <laughs> <laughs> canned water specifically, so that they can <laughs> distribute blunt violence against supporters.
2: Well, you saw those metal water bottles that the drummers were drinking out of while you know at the game. I don't I'm pretty sure they had to pay for those I don't think we should have to pay for water but that's a whole different discussion for a different podcast
3: holding it by the neck and flinging it up the row like it's a steel hand grenade.
2: (laughs) (laughs) they walk around with with full belts across their chest like bandoliers instead of actually (laughs) in a tub in front of them. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Unca- yeah. un- 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 uncapping the uh, the bottle of water in my teeth and flinging it up into the seats and <laughs> yelling "frag"
0: out. And I'm sure Joe Lowry is so happy to have been on this show after I can't, that discussion. I can't believe he agreed to come on here, man. <laughs> hey, 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 five
3: hey, minutes took him to say yes. <laughs> he's not going to answer so promptly next time, I don't think.
2: <laughs> hey, we held it together while we were interviewing him. You know, no guarantee he listens to the show when he's not on it. So who knows?
0: But uh, yeah, we just wanted to follow up after that interview, uh, give a little thoughts of what we had to. Uh, What we heard, thoughts about what was had to say, and if uh, any of you listeners out there have a little feedback, we'd be happy to hear you. You can always get in touch with us at Soccer Capital on Twitter, of course, and you can also email us, if you like, at SoccerCapital at gmail.com. Anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up this throw-in episode?
2: Nothing comes to my mind.
0: It's all from me. Very well. Well, I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling
2: hooligan, Sean.
0: And for our special guest, Joe Lowry, I'll say we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.